Well, good morning, everybody. Or good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're going to watch this. Uh, we're continuing our series on Nehemiah at Redeemer King, and we're going to dig into Nehemiah chapter 9 uh, in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, just a little reminder that there, there was an interview that Andy and I did uh, which sits on my YouTube channel, and you'd had an email about that, which is actually quite an important interview. If you could just give five minutes of your time to watch that, we're really discussing the future of the church and and how we see things unfolding um, in what is obviously a roller coaster ride of a time where things are changing fast. So we're developing some quite agile strategies for the future, and it does relate into what we're talking about today, really. Um, so do do check that interview out. And in the meantime, we're developing all sorts of plans and stuff to try our best to keep people together as a community. There's some more fun stuff coming up. But of course, people are uh, taking their holidays at the moment as well. Some are staying at home. Uh, some are braving it and hitting the road. So wherever you're watching this, whatever you're doing, you know, praying God's richest blessing on you as a church. Um, and, you know, we hope to be physically meeting up again in some way soon. And more of that on the interview that Andy and I did. So for now, though, we're going to be looking at uh, Nehemiah chapter nine. Um, it's a long prayer uh, of confession and repentance. And I'm not going to read it all. So I'm, I'm going to try and read this as a highlights reel and then talk through a few key principles which which I hope are going to help us I mean that these principles that come out of this passage are are so very important for where we are at now this is the time um, after months of lockdown and restrictions on our lives uh, which you know are going to come and go that that is clear from the news this week this is a time when when you're going to be really feeling it, some of you, the uncertainty, uh, different levels of anxiety or brokenness. I mean, some of you, you're doing great, but for some things will be wearing thin. And if if um, if restrictions are reimposed, which is looking increasingly likely, as I recall this, um, just at the very end of July. Um, it's at this time we need to be remembering the goodness of God and keeping our perspective absolutely right and do what we can uh, in God's strength with the power of the Holy Spirit helping us to walk the narrow path. Not just in our actions, but in our character, in our hearts, what we're thinking, feeling, perceiving. So let's look at this passage. Um, this is Nehemiah chapter nine, and I'm going to pick it up from verse uh nine um and this is really a rehearsal in these passages of of the people of god's behavior in response to god's goodness and there's this cycle that takes place and you'll spot it as you read it you saw the oppression of our ancestors in egypt this is verse nine you performed signs and wonders against pharaoh all his officials and all the people of his land you knew how arrogantly they treated our ancestors you made a name for yourself that endures to this day. You divided the sea before them and they crossed through it on dry ground. You hurled their pursuers into the depths. 
This is talking about the Exodus when, for those of you new to the Bible, when the people of God crossed the Red Sea and the waters are parted. Um, you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into raging water. You led them with a pillar of cloud by day, with a pillar of fire by night to illuminate the way they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them impartial ordinances, reliable instructions and good statutes and command. You revealed your holy Sabbath to them, gave them command, statutes, instructions through your servant Moses. You provided bread from heaven for their hunger. You brought them water from the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in to possess the land you'd, you'd sworn to give them. In other words, God did everything for you. Like in history, he did everything for you. He provided you food, shelter, water, guidance, you know, a heavenly sat-nav, protected you, split the sea in half. We sing a song about that, don't we? He did everything. But then it says this, verse 16. But our ancestors acted arrogantly. They became stiff-necked and did not listen to your commands. They refused to listen. They had an active refusal to listen despite everything that God had done and did not remember your wonders. This amazing human ability <laughs> to forget things when it's convenient. They, they, they didn't remember your wonders. You performed amongst them. They became stiff-necked, stubborn and proud and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. And that's a remarkable thing in that part of the history of God's people. They'd lived under oppression and God led them out. But, they, but they, they'd forgotten the good things that God had done and how much he protected them. So oh, we'd rather go and be slaves again. People always think they know best. Then it says this, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. And you did not abandon them. How kind is God? I mean, people moan at us. <laughs> just, just throw our toys out of the pram, but not the Lord. Even after they cast an image of a car for them, they said, for themselves, they said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. And they committed terrible blasphemies. You did not abandon them in the wilderness because of your great compassion verse 20 you sent your good spirit to instruct them you didn't withhold food from their mouths you gave them water for their first you provided for them in the wilderness for 40 years they lacked nothing their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell then it starts to talk about uh, the land and the kingdoms that he gave them and up to verse 25 about capturing fortified cities and well-supplied houses they were they ate and were filled became prosperous and delighted in your goodness it says in verse 25, verse 26, here we go again. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They flung your law behind their backs. They actively chose to do their own thing. They killed your prophets, you warned them. You know, as they, they, anyone who spoke against or brought God's word do them they committed terrible blasphemies so what did god do well he handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them in the time of distress they cried out to you and you heard from heaven in your abundant compassion you rescued them now <laughs> there's this little bit here where clearly what the lord sometimes does is he he will take his hand off us in some way so we recognize our need of him 
and, and then the people cry out and and God reaches out again in his compassion so look here's a few principles that, that I believe we can draw out of this we're just going to blast through these uh, number one there is a cycle here taking place and I've actually seen this in church life 25 years of leading church and ministries I've seen this over and over and over again there is a cycle where God is good and the people are blessed and there's a period where people enjoy the blessing but then something clicks in people's minds I've never quite worked out what it is and 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 suddenly it's not enough and people start to forget their godly behavior now we don't kill prophets and stuff like that but what what we can do is forget the goodness of god particularly in times of trial yeah there could be miracles salvation growth provision amazing provision but when the pressure's on sometimes the people forget and i've seen this it's it's like the law of diminishing returns the more you get the more numb you get to the goodness of God and you forget where you're at and then what God does is he, he the danger is we start to displease the Lord in our character conduct behavior and and he takes his hand off us until we really need him again and I've seen this in churches up and down the country and I've seen it in ministries which is why it's so important to keep reminding ourselves of the good things that God is doing. Keep sharing the testimonies of changed lives. Keep looking at your own situation and be thankful for the good things that you see God is doing. If we don't do that as a daily practice, it's so easy to get into this cycle of not negativity, but just lack of gratitude and thankfulness, which is why you know, I keep saying the same thing, really. I mean, every preacher's got their motif. Mine's reaching broken people. But also, uh, this deep understanding, which I've mentioned a couple of times recently, that, that, that each breath you are taking right now is a precious gift from God. Fact. This last moment just passed as I paused. That's a gift from God. You breathe because of his grace. You eat because of his grace. You drink because of his grace. This is how crazy the global Christian community is. So you can have Christians in the West praying for enough money to buy a new white Mercedes. And yet someone in Haiti who loves the Lord might be praying for a bit of tin roof to protect his kids from an earthquake or water where there is none but I'll never forget visiting an island called Lagonave with Karen where we saw two kids on a donkey one donkey and there they lived at the top of a, a fertile plateau on top of Lagonave which is the driest island in the world and their life was this going down the mountain in the morning for a couple of hours and then filling up some pails of water at the bottom and bringing it up for a few hours, going up this like a rock path 
up the side of a mountain. Five, six hours a day. They were no more than seven, eight years old, I would have said. That was their life. And they were followers of Jesus Christ. In the West, we can be so overwhelmed by stuff and the things that we have got, we forget the goodness and grace of God. And that can trigger the cycle. That's what you see here. God provided, but it wasn't enough to take us back to slavery. How fragile is the human heart? How easy it is to fall into this trap. And then what happens, we start to think we know best. Uh, I was looking at, with Karen actually, 1 Samuel 8, where, where the people start to cry out for a king. We want a king, we want a king. And, and, and God says, no, you don't want a king. <laughs> Keep with the judges. We want a king, we want a king. In the end, what God does is he's kind and gentlemanly, actually. And we'll just say, okay. Okay, and he gave him a king and there was a disaster. But then what does he do? He bails us out. Number one, there is a cycle. And number two, it happens because we think we know best. How do we avoid falling into that trap? Keep inquiring of the Lord. Keep your faith in the sweet spot. Keep thankfulness front and center but the third thing i would say is beware of the trap of looking inward i've got various different versions here i was reading earlier from the christian standard bible which is a new one i've discovered which is absolutely fantastic but this here from um another version philippians 2 Verse three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The best therapy in this time, I think, when we are in many ways restricted and we have been restricted more uh, and things are loosening up, but it could come back. The absolute best way, other than keeping your relationship with God absolutely sweet, to feel in community with people, part of the family, is to serve. Find ways to get engaged and, you know, get in touch with us, get in touch with uh, uh, Rich or myself or whoever, and um, we will find plenty of ways that you could get involved. Turn up to things. That's so important. Um, often people are not, if they don't feel, uh, not feeling it in the church, I guess, or um, feeling isolated and alone are not part of a small group. And I know that small groups are tough at the moment because they're all on Zoom, but even then they can be highly effective. Meet in gardens where you can. Meet in homes as restrictions allowed. When we start clusters up, this temporary solution, and I add temporary solution uh, to getting us together, and please look at the interview because it will talk about this in much more detail. 
turn up. Turn up. Log in. Even if you zoomed out, you know, connect groups, own groups, have a much different feel than work meetings on Zoom. But 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 show up. We need each other. I I need you. You need me. Sounds like a song. <laughs> we we need each other to get ourselves through this. But get involved and serve. There, there are plenty of ways to get involved in this community. There's a, there's a volunteer uh, centre in Chesterfield where people are desperately needy, get their shopping done and all kinds of stuff like that. What it does is it breaks us out of our own inward looking. I think one of the things the devil loves to do is to get us to look inward and our own needs at that point then start to get amplified and almost overwhelming and the despair cycle starts and the anxiety cycle starts. One of the best therapies is to look outside of our own situation, be thankful for the beautiful things that God's doing in our lives. There's always something to be thankful for. And I recommend you read a book by Carruthers called Prison to Praise, which is a game-changing little book. You could read it in an hour. Uh, Carruthers, Prison to Praise. Read it. About the, the, the power of praise and thankfulness in our lives. But start to serve and reach out and look to the interests of others it's a game changer. Sometimes people say to me, well, how do you keep going? Well, it's quite simple. It's a life of service. Uh, being a leader of ministries and churches, you, your mind is always on what's best for the people and not for yourself. That, that's, that's, that's what the calling is. I mean, I'm not saying we don't ever think about what we need, but the majority focus is how do we lead this thing forward? How, how do we see more people rescued, more broken people patched up. How can we make sure that everyone's cared for? No, your mind is on that. And, and a word to leaders here, any emerging leaders in our church or any leaders that tune into this sermon, I know there are leaders who watch this stuff. Um, it's not an easy gig. Moses didn't have it easy, but we do it because Jesus loves us. And we won't always get it right. But if you stay faithful, gracious, God will see you through, even in such a weird time as this. He, he will see you through. He does. That, that, that's his nature. That's what we're learning in this passage. So get involved and serve. Um, 1 Thessalonians uh, 4 to 11 is also a very uh, key passage. I think in this time, do what we can to simplify our lives. And this is something that Karen and I are personally looking at at the moment. 1 Thessalonians 4-11, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business, work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you'll behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Lead a quiet life and attend to your own business. One of the big challenges facing us at the moment is to um, keep our character and our heart in exactly the right place and one of the best ways to do that is to as I said serve um, to stay thankful um, 
but also to simplify your life and to remove clutter and things that cause you undue stress. This is something that I've been thinking through a lot. Remove complexity, keep things simple, stay humble. Um, but also there's this thing here about tending to your own business. Um, one of the big dangers in community life always is gossip, rumours, whispers, forming triangles of conversation. It's much easier now because we're kind of at home with our computers and chatting on text and stuff like that. And, and the more and more the restrictions are there, the, the less and less um, there is to talk about, I guess, other than maybe each other. I'm not aware of this massively happening. I'm just trying to pull out here what's happening in scripture. And I think people just start to moan and grumble here in this passage and they wind each other up. They become stiff necked. He says, don't listen. They chuck the word of God behind their backs and started moaning and grumbling. And the devil uses that to pull a church apart. This is the time. And I repeated this message many times, this phrase to give the benefit of the doubt and to believe the best of everyone, everyone. Give the benefit of the doubt and believe the best. Look to your own affairs, your own life and doctrine, keep your own heart sweet, serve others, stay thankful. Do what you can to stand a narrow path, keep the worship music on, read the Bible, Stay focused on the good and beautiful things that the Lord has done and is doing. And that will make a profound difference to your life. Now, you could be listening to this passage and say, or me speaking, is he trying to make a point? Yes. Yes, I am. The, the devil would love to tear a church that is winning people to Christ apart. I am so thankful to God for your grace, patience, the way we cheer each other on, the, the buzz on RK Online, the amazing kids work we're seeing, the, the beautiful things that have happened through Alpha, the cat work, the way we've served people in the community, the way we have exercised much grace and patience towards one another. As I said, this is a time where it could start to feel really tough. We are going to do what we can to keep us in the sweet spot. But that, that responsibility is upon all of us to be God's people. Beautiful, faith-filled, peace-filled, joy-filled people of God. We believe the best, give the benefit of the doubt, serve, reach out and see lives beautifully transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's not be a church that, that develops this cycle that we see here in Nehemiah 9. There's no other way I can preach this message. God bless them, they moaned. He blessed them, they moaned. He blessed them, they moaned. Let's, let's not be that people. Let's remember 
that we are the righteousness in Christ of Christ imputed into our lives that God looks at us and he sees Jesus we have a saviour who died for us and rose again and made a way we have a, a deep hope for now and hope for the future a destiny for eternal life resurrection power he has given us everything there's people who live out our lives in an appropriate way in return. God bless you all. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or whenever you watch this message. Pray God's peace and grace upon our beautiful church and upon your lives. I pray that you are able to take a little bit of time out, maybe after you've read this message, Maybe just get on your knees and say, God, if there is any offensive way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. Fill me with your joy, fill me with your grace. Then look for ways to serve. Get in touch with us and we'll help make that happen. God bless you all. Have a, have a wonderful, wonderful day.